Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois, and I love listening to Vish Khanna's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend, and the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Brandon Miguel Valdivia is a multi-talented music producer, percussionist, composer, and multi-instrumentalist who is currently based in London, Ontario. Originally from Chatham, Ontario, which is about an hour east of Detroit, Valdivia is renowned for his work as a drummer in bands like Not the Wind, Not the Flag, Picastro, and the Cosmic Range, among others, and his other contributions to improvised and jazz communities in southern Ontario. He also collaborates closely with his life partner, Lido Pimienta, and explores music's possibilities on his own, working under the name Masaya. On September 24th, 2021, Telephone Explosion Records issued Mascaras, the latest Masaya album, and Valdivia has brought its sounds to select cities around the world. He is due to appear in Edmonton, Alberta for the 2022 Purple City Music Festival, 
where he'll close out its opening night at the Metro on August 25th. Brandon and I caught up for a nice chat about moving to London, Ontario from Toronto and our shared history in the Kitchener-Waterloo region, how the Guelph Jazz Festival changed our lives, drumming, shop, talk, the hardships of his people in Nicaragua, being cognizant of true diversity in music scenes and cultural elevation versus cultural exploitation, mindfulness in music, new works by him and Lido Pimenta, other future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles like uh, Mascaras by Masaya. Maybe you want that. Go to blackbird.ca and they will help you figure things out. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planted Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, respectively, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 710 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Brandon Valdivia with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? Hey, Vish. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm well. It's nice to see you. We can actually see each other using the magic of the internet. You know what? I'm. I was just thinking that. I'm like, I'd prefer, I'm, I way prefer this way than just to be talking on a phone, looking at a wall. <laughs> yeah, that's. I appreciate that. This no, is, so this is nice. the same way. <laughs> uh, where in the world are you today? Well, London, Ontario, Canada. London, Ontario, Canada. I was not yeah. expecting that answer. You know what I was expecting yeah. was Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Toronto. What brings yeah, what, yeah. what brings you to London? Well, we we moved out here. Oh, so um, yeah. So we've been living out here for like yeah, almost a year now. So yeah, but we haven't. I mean, we've like we've been traveling a lot. So it's been like we've been here like less than half the time. I feel like okay. So t- yeah, Toronto definitely is still when we go we go there a bunch and it's still it's like oh this is home for sure. You know? Yeah. You're, are you, <laughs> so, how long were you living in Toronto there yourself? Ooh, like 15 years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And before that, where were you living? I, I was living in Waterloo. So, cause I went to Laurier. Oh, okay. Cool. Right. So I, so I was there for, for four years. I lived there for four years. Close to my old stomping grounds in Cambridge, Ontario. Well, yeah. That's why we have, oh, Cambridge. Okay. Cause I know we had some friends more from the, I thought it was like the Guelph scene. Guelph, Guelph, K, like so. For whatever, KW. for what it's worth, KW, uh, Kitchener Waterloo, rather for people who don't know what KW means. Yeah. Uh, they're two <laughs> cities. They're connected. They're called. You call it Kitchener Waterloo, but you, when you're in Waterloo, you say you're in Waterloo. I don't know why. Why is it Kitchener Waterloo? I don't know. Anyway, we call it the KW area. KW, and they had all the great record stores and the great concert venues. Cambridge didn't have those things. So as soon as my friends and I came of age, we were heading to Waterloo and Kitchener. Encore okay. Records in Kitchener was formative yeah. for me. I got Shout all my records Encore. there. Do you know God. that one? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same. Life-changing albums from there. Yeah. And uh, the Orange Monkey as well in Waterloo. I can't forget them. Same. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'd forgotten that that was uh, a thing you did. for. What were you doing in school in, at Laurier, if I may ask? I studied music 
the music program there is mostly classical, so I studied classical music, but then that's what I was doing there in co- composition hmm. um, and percussion. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense given what you do. I yeah. I, I didn't realize yeah. you studied. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went to. I did the. I they call it legit. You know, whatever. Like <laughs> legit. You, whatever, you got you got legit trained on how yeah, to do yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I like. But I try to forget all of it. So. But I like those. I like those stories uh, <laughs> when I hear music by people like yourself who. Um, uh, are adventurous, if you will, and are very open-minded and open-ended in their approach. I always uh, I romanticize the foundational aspect of your of your process uh, practice because I didn't okay. I didn't have any formal training and it shows. I just scrappily play. We all just learned how to play together. And you, I always thought uh, my music teachers were the drummers I saw. Uh, I, I still have a sense memory of a, a guy in Guelph. He played, or well, he's from Rockwood. His name's Kobe Dowdell, and my band mm. played a show with him when I was in my teens. Just watching him play changed how I played overnight, or hearing certain records. So I feel like, do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm sure you have this too, where you saw someone or you heard a record, and that altered how you played. Is that fair? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, many times. It yeah. happened many, many times. Yeah. Absolutely. Like. And concerts in Guelph too, you know, concerts in Waterloo, especially around that time, like, you know, you know, you're 18 to 22. Um, you know, I was just trying to get out of my hometown Chatham. So I, my, my, I wanted to be like, I wanted to be, have my mind blown, you know, yeah. like I, I was, that's why I got out of there. Cause I was just like, I need to, I need to learn things. I need to have, I just need to be inspired. Cause like Chatham, like, you know, it was cool and awesome in some ways, but I really felt the lack of you know, different things I was searching for that I kind of came into touch with at the end of high school. Mm. Like, you know, Kid A came out then and like, yeah, like Vespertine, you know, um, and like those types. Of, Kid A really, I was like, wow. And listening to, starting to listening to jazz, free jazz. Yeah. I was, I was like, I need to find some stuff. So I was getting into that and Chatham had nothing like that. So Waterloo did in Guelph, obviously. So yeah. tons of great stuff yeah. in Guelph, especially at the Guelph Jazz Festival for me. Yeah, like huge. Yeah, nothing... I can't think of too many things that have altered my my life more than that Guelph Jazz Festival. I'll tell you that. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Just like absolutely, I, I have a sense memories of being in rooms because sometimes they were full and packed, and sometimes they weren't. But whatever was going on, the whatever the crowd thing was, like the the music was just so overwhelming. And well, oh my god, I saw John Zorn play in Guelph. Come on, well, what the heck? Like a tortoise played in Guelph, like it. I, yeah, uh, I I saw that show. It was, well, that show was Tortoise and Art Ensemble yes. of Chicago. That was one of the, my favorite shows that I've ever seen in yes. my life. Yeah, like, that was and the X. Uh, the oh oh my God, sorry. There's so the many. X, I can't. Yeah. I don't want to. William Parker and Hami Drake and oh my God. No, like, like there's so many. We are so blessed to be part, you know from that scene and having people like Ajay and that whole team, yeah. like you know Scott and Karen and like all the people that have booked Jesse Stewart. Ugh. Archie Shep played. I, I mean, like it's just Archie. It's, yeah, uh, man. Anyway. I love that they, well, no, Rob Mazurk. So Rob many. Mazurk is come would come every year almost. Like I mean, come on. I I just Hami Drake every <laughs> single year. Like I learned so much from Hami just sitting there watching him and then talking to him a little yeah. bit. Like for me, it's just so yeah, changed changed everything. Yeah. Like, no, I I crazy. so where I'm coming from or where I was coming from is I I appreciate that watching and experiencing and listening to stuff helps, but. I also love the notion of someone being trained uh, on an instrument and spending time, but then figuring out that's not it, that that's, those are just parameters that will get you going and give you a, a knowledge of your thing 
the instrument, whatever it is. But then you can just do whatever you want. That's kind of where if you get to the Guelph Jazz Festival and you see people mm. playing conventional instruments, if you will, and doing mind-blowing things, but you, in your practice, would know the mechanics of it better than me. I just, would, as a layman, I see someone, oh, what are they doing to that saxophone? What's going on? What are they? Mm-hmm. How are they manipulating those drums? But I feel like, is it is that fair? You kind of have the keys more than I do to how that stuff is happening <laughs> because you know the theory. Well, it, yeah, then there's some familiarity, you know, like I've seen many times and also like, you know, have some studied with, with different teachers that are, do expanded techniques, especially like Jesse Stewart was yes. a big one. You know, so he kind of taught me a lot <laughs> and, um, you know, he's still an amazing, amazing percussionist, composer, artist, you know, he's incredible. So he, he yeah, seeing like people like that and explain them to me and I'd go to see shows mostly at Guelph and, you know, like definitely would would be studying the basically watching the drummer and just see oh, but they're putting chains on their drums or they're put like Roger Turner yeah. or like they're putting like different bells. They're doing all this kind of stuff. Definitely like and different t- different types of techniques as well. Like ex- they call them extended techniques, which I think is kind of a not a great term because they should all just be techniques. It doesn't mean that they're lesser yeah. than normal techniques. You know, so you can create beautiful music like Chris like uh, Chris Corsano. If you know, like that's he's doing a lot of beautiful extended techniques mixing with electronics and it's just you know i've learned so much to watch just watching i think every just learning about every you know every every concert everything that you see you can learn something from you know if you take that attitude you know yeah and absolutely and learning about prepared instrumentation from a festival like that just like people messing with things we're doing it often yeah 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 i will say uh jesse stewart is a friend and a, a hero of mine and you're absolutely right um i, I love it uh, i've seen him do remarkable things with remarkable instruments but also f- uh making instruments i think almost out of nothing yeah. like just like that's not even an instrument and you've turned it into one like the the limitless imagination uh that was on dis- that is on display at that festival um, and in that, in those practices, I will tell you though, like just going back to what I was saying about feeling, um, like I wish I had more of a foundation. I still, mm-hmm. with some embarrassment, think of the time I asked Jesse to come by cause I could not figure out how to get the drum sounds I wanted tuning wise. I, I've always been self-conscious about tuning. Yeah. I remember bringing them to the, fr- I, in London, Ontario, I had a recording session with Andy okay. McGuffin and I brought the drums and he's like. Uh, yeah, you're going to need new heads here, buddy. Like, this is not going to work. I was like, oh, right, yes. So we went to the music. Anyway, Jesse came over, and he looked at me puzzled. He's like, well, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but basically, if you can make them they sound the sound. way you want them to sound, yeah. that's it. It doesn't really exactly matter. Like, you know, you understand that this is the 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 rack tom, and this is the floor tom, and they're going to have different sounds, but... There's no secret. And I was like, oh, really? I thought there was. Like, I thought I hadn't cracked the code. Do you know where I'm coming from? Absolutely. Some people, you know, there's definitely schools of thought where it's like there are very specific ways that these drums need to sound and there is the best sounding drum and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like for me, it's the same way. It's kind of like I I do know how to tune or whatever, but I don't think I'm a great tuner. I just like I just know the tendencies of the drum head. Oh, this sounds like it's a little bit tighter than the other head. They definitely sound loose. Like, oh, my God, they sound like bleh. But some people love that. For me, I just don't like a bleh, like floor tom. Like people are like, bleh. And I'm like, no, I want to. Yes. Boom, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tone, you know? That's so right. I'm at too. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I tune them. So yeah. So definitely, you know, but definitely, yeah, people are like, oh, this is, you know, and I, I, I don't get self-conscious, but I'm like, oh, like, I don't feel like I know how to you tune You don't it. either, eh? You know, okay. Like, this is, like, I don't feel that bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do my thing, but it's and with just you know a lot of experience and a lot of years of it. But it doesn't mean that I know. Yeah, some people are like, this is exactly how you tune it, but it's just the sound, you know. And when I when you were t- saying talking about that too, it's like a great quote that I heard from Terry Clark that I think he 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 told me the great drummer, great jazz drummer. He told me that like he would see like Tony Williams in the San Francisco in like the '60s, like Tony Williams, Elvin Jones, like Art Blakey on the same kit, and he'd be like, "Oh, it's the drummer, not yes, the drums." That's fair. That you see this at festivals all the time so, when there's backline, right? Yeah, it's the drummer, not the drums. Sure. That's a good point. Do you know Dave Clark yeah. from Toronto? Yes. Uh, yeah, I have this thing where because I know two Dave Clarks, but the great drummer Dave Clark. I mean, he, the other one is a great drummer too. He's a nice drummer for for Jennifer Castle. Used That's to play right, with. and he used to play in uh, one hundred dollars so, and uh, hundred dollars. But we're talking about Dave Clark, Rio Statics, like, Dave Clark, Woodchoppers, Rio Statics, yeah, Woodchoppers, yeah, yeah. Dave oh, Clark. Yeah, lovely per- such absolutely a, nice person. a dear friend him. of mine and a mentor as well. And I asked him these same questions because he's an amazing drummer. He mm-hmm. he told me he uses a guitar tuner. He he figures out what the if he likes a sound, he figures out the uh, the note or the key or whatever you want to call it, and then and then yep. he emulate if it's, if it's a D he'll just make sure the next head will tune to that thing and he's often right and I thought I hope I'm not misquoting him or if he hears this he's like I never said that but I remember it distinctly thinking a guitar tuner really that's fascinating he's like well if you like the sound. And you want to get it each time, like that's a thing you can shoot for because it's a codified um, thing. And then you're at least psycho- like, I, I mean, you've got to trust your ear, but psychologically, like, no, it's in D. That's what I wanted, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, people people definitely do that. You know, the thing with the drums is that they have a limited sort of like sort of limited area that they where they sound really good so like because i think the shells even some companies like tune the shells to notes yes, right. so they yeah. have a, sp- a specific note that they have the resonant frequency the strongest resonant frequency at that like b flat or whatever it yeah. is so but yeah some people do that and I, I know even sometimes like playing with colin too like i won't ever tune my like colin fisher with not the wind not the flag and i won't ever tune my drums to specific things but we'll find like tonal ranges and he'll he's a great listener too so he'll be listening to the ooh, like a drone of a drum that i do and he'll he'll react to that so we have those type of you know melodic connections as well so you definitely you know there's definitely notes in the drums that's why i like notes yes. in the drums i don't like buh like buh like, <laughs> like i know there's vibes that that happens but and certain people like that but like I like a lot more tone and notes, like melodic. Oh uh, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe Dave sure. was just trying to be like, you can just just let's make this simple for you if you're struggling. And uh, anyway, I didn't mean to make this completely a drum talk, uh, you know, shop talk about drums <laughs> thing. But uh, I, I just like talking uh, about drums. I, I never. Well, do. I admire your percussion. First of all, like I know you primarily as a as a percussionist, as a drummer, uh, yeah. and now as a producer, a multi instrumentalist producer, um, and. Um, been listening to this record of yours uh, a lot in the house really enjoying it um but i do want to go That's back great. to one quick thing uh i know that your partner Lido has roots in london so just to clarify mm-hmm. that is that why you guys are in london yeah exactly okay. yeah exactly. just wanted to say yeah. how are you liking yeah. london for those who don't know well, i mean <laughs> go ahead go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna say for those who don't know london ontario is uh what is it a couple hours West of Toronto, roughly. Exactly. Yeah. About two hours, two hours west of Toronto. Yes, yeah, so, so close, definitely close that we can still, you know, we had definitely have a relationship with Toronto, of course, and still basically do some of the same things that we did before in Toronto in a way. But, um, but like really it's been touring, but yeah, London, like that's the thing, like we've been most like, I don't know London that much. I mean, I, I'm, I'm knowing it more. One thing I know is that strikes me is the forests and the, and the, the nature that 
luckily still is there. They're definitely, you know, expanding and quote unquote developing a lot around here. So, you know, that's definitely slowly happening, but there is a lot of like beautiful forests and trees and stuff. It's gorgeous. It's not, it's the city known itself, as like, the forest city, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And there still is, it still exists, you know, in a way. Um, we have a specific experience with Lindemy because we, we just moved here and we've been away for half the year. So, and we, you know, we have a very busy, you know, external, like, uh, music activity, musical activity. So like, we don't need to be kind of like searching for people here, even though I do want to do that. I do want to kind of meet, you know, see if there's some cool people. There's that. I made a connection to a show that I did two months ago with Chuck from, uh, slow attack ensemble. And, and he, he lives here as well. So, you know, there's, I was like, great, that's a great, have to have one of these great artists and like Adam Sturgeon yeah. and, and, and that those, those folks live here too. So, but again, they're touring a lot. So we have a specific relationship with it. It's nice. The forests are nice. I don't like how spread out it is and like I, I don't drive yeah. so like it takes forever to get anywhere I don't like how kind of car it's it doesn't seem like there's much public transportation at all yeah. so that kind of it weirds me out I feel like that's kind of strange so this the infrastructure of the city there's not many like nice like little places that I have that I haven't found as far as like restaurants or anything like that it's everything's kind of like very suburban and so you know I think downtown there's definitely nice places I just don't know I went to a nice barber the other day so that was cool to find a good barber and in london so yeah you know it's cool it's it's fine for now and it, i definitely need to explore it more for sure it's weird because um i saw when i was talking about having to leave cambridge to go to see shows and whatnot london was actually on the route because i would go to the embassy club and call the office i think of it as a which were cool venues um and saw i saw really important shows there for sure um, and I think of it as a bit of a conservative city in a lot of ways. I think the main university there caters to like business students and it, it has a reputation for being conservative. However, like in my memory, in the late 90s, they had the No Festival. And so you could see Thurston Moore uh, doing like a guitar freakouts and uh, all sorts of like interesting. And like I said, I saw lots of meaningful music. I find that sometimes these like sort of Cambridge was sort of like this too, except we would always get shut down. These conservative cities always have very interesting pockets of art and culture that's sort of reacting um, to what's going on. So I, I imagine as you explore more, you'll find that because London, I think of as also this like really amazing uh, DIY punk rock city. So, sorry, I know I'm all over the place with my perception of it, but I just want you to know from my own experience, like you're, I think you'll find mm. people there that are awesome is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I definitely, I know that. I, I definitely know that. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I, I definitely, I, I have, I have I, there's definitely hope in there for sure. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't, the conservative thing, I mean, there's, it's interesting because I did look at the election, what, what each sort of like district or uh, ward voted oh, yeah. in, like, because I was curious about how conservative, because PPC seemed to be like, soup, like quote unquote PPC party seemed to be pretty strong here, but they were very, very, um, very visual or very like loud as far as like wearing, oh. waving flags and stuff like that. But didn't seem like they got many votes and like conservatives, it, it, it kind of was pretty heavily mixed between conservatives and liberals with a fair amount of an, an NDP, but Definitely, at least in our area, it was less conservative that I, than I expected as far as talking about like voting and all that kind of thing. That's great to hear. I so, mean, I don't mean to take yeah. us down a morbid road, but London was in the news for a horrible, horrible tragedy in the last few years. Uh, and that's in our neighborhood. Oh, oh my God. Like, that was like, yeah, that's like down the street. So like definitely, you know, yeah, but that was before we, we moved here, you know, but I know, but it's definitely around. Like there was a visual like 
whatever it was, like I think three months ago. And Lucien was taking, or my stepson, he was taking piano lessons around there and he saw like the visual happenings, that visual happening. So he went down there and it was like, oh, like our London family. And I was like, no, it shouldn't, like our, the buttons should be like, you know, like it's not, oh, I'm against, I'm against uh, Islamophobia. It's like, no, I'm against white supremacy, you know, like, yeah, but they don't, you know, it's it's horrible. Just for brief context, for those not following along, there was a horrible (laughs) uh, murder uh, a, a kid, I want to say, in a truck ran down a family who um, visually appeared as Muslim to him based on their clothing. And um, yeah, it's just awful. And that's that prompted a lot of uh, talk about London and what's going on yeah. in the city. Why is this happening? Yeah. But if this happens in every city. And Absolutely. It, can, it can happen everywhere because we do have a white supremacy problem. Uh and yeah, yeah, which is like so, growing, seems like. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, I I don't know if this is a a poor segue or not. There is a despite the primarily instrumental nature of this new record, uh, there is a political um, undercurrent. I want to say, uh, but I feel like at times it's very overt. Can you talk a little bit about? where this record came from in terms of uh, the type of music you normally make and maybe what I'm getting at in terms of just picking up on something going on in, in I don't want to say lyrically, but you know what I mean, um, in terms of what's being conveyed by samples and, and field recordings. Am I on the right track? Can you talk about where this came from? Yeah, absolutely. I would try to be definitely overt in some some ways about uh, political stance or it's I, and it's hard. I I don't like using political because I just feel like political is part of the, like politics is the same system, you know that. So I like to be more it's about human like human relations or something like that. But it yeah, like it's, politics is is a way. So definitely wanted to be overt in some ways. And and around the time I was making the album, like uh, there was all this like intense protests in in Nicaragua, like where my I have I have family there. And uh, so I, I, I definitely keep up to touch with as much as I can with like what's going on there. But it was it was to the point where it was like it had blown up. Like there was t- thousands of people on the streets. The government was like, yeah, suppressing things like killing people on the streets. Like it was it was almost an insurrection. Like it was like verging on insurrection. You know, like it was like almost there. And, and you know, this guy's pretty heavy handed. Like people call him a dictator. Dan- this is He's Daniel di- Ortega. Daniel Ortega. Yeah. And, and his wife, Rosario Murillo. Mm-hmm. And those two, they basically run, the family runs Nicaragua like it used to before this, the revolution happened, because there was a revolution, like a socialist-led revolution in the late 70s where they overthrow a U.S.-backed dictator. So this is now, this like socialist dictator is that he kind of turned to a dictator now. And it's more like a family thing. It's not socialism. He just calls it that because it makes him seem like he's anti-American and part of like the left of like Latin America and like the, 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 the lineage of Che and Fidel and stuff like yes. that. It's BS. I think at one point it wasn't necessarily, but he, he kind of seems like he's always been kind of a, uh, yeah, like just, just kind of a piece of shit. I don't know. I don't know if I can swear. You can it, swear but. all you want. It's a, yeah, okay. you, you I mean, you don't have to, but uh, if you want to, yeah, for no, emphasis, yeah. what if I sound like a dad all of a sudden? You can swear yeah, for emphasis. Yeah. No, I, just, no. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. How. <laughs> no, of but, course. Um, yeah. I normally just talk pretty freely and hope people edit out my, my swear words, but basically, um, <laughs> Yeah, so he he didn't seem like he was ever really on the right track, but um, that, so so that's why the kind of more overtly sort of political things. But honestly, but my, I've been doing Masaya this project for you know ten years now. Um, you know, as low key as sometimes it is, sometimes it's not low key. I play shows, I'll release some things in, in, with like independent, um, like Toronto labels, like Friends, like 
So I definitely have, and every, and all, it's always been sort of political um, in nature and, and overtly political because it's what some people ask me and they talk to me, oh, how was the Toronto scene? How's the Toronto scene? Because it was, it was honestly, it was a reaction to what mostly of, of my peers at the time were in, in experimental music. It seemed to me like in Toronto, at least it and, you know, rightly or wrongly, I know there was oh, there's always an element of politics to things. But at that time, it was reaction to the kind of apoliticalness I felt like from the experimental scene in, in Toronto and around Ontario, like and stuff I'd see in Montreal. And so I felt like things more needed to be said. So I, that's why I was like, I'm, I'm just going to literally speak things and like say things. And I was definitely influenced by like, like, yeah, like like dance hall, like kind of de- like sing jays, like of the early 90s and stuff like that. So like that kind of style. So I knew I didn't have to like sing. I could just kind of sing three notes or four notes. And also different folk musics is kind of like that around the world and traditional musics where it's like what I'm inspired by more simplistic, kind of more chanting rather than, you know, so that's so. So it's always been I've always wanted to have po- politics and I don't know. It's always been a response to that, but recently, yeah, it's been a little bit more, um, less overt, but this, that was why there's the overt political kind of sentiment in that record. But then mixed with like uh, uh, the, I the, the kind of like, I wanted to kind of it be very meditative and very contemplative as well. So I wanted to have this kind of peacefulness about meditation about it, but at the same time have this kind of urgency because I was really feeling that as well, like coming from deep down, you know, like kind of a need to also also spread the word about that because yeah Nicaragua is not it's very it's a small country geographically politically uh population wise so it's often I don't know yeah even I'm like like I don't know half Nicaraguan or whatever like you know to talk about people like that but like I have Nicaraguan you know ancestry and my family's there so I felt like I need to represent in some way I feel like it because I, I do get people being like thank you for representing Nicaragua thank you for representing like Central America like in that way and I'm like you know I really I really take it strongly. I never like say I'm Central American because I don't have to deal with the stuff that those people have to deal with. But you know, like in solidarity, you know, I definitely feel like I I I, I can represent that as much as I can. You know, and there is like a weird sense of responsibility for as far as that now. Like, you know, it feels like okay, well, I don't know. If, yeah, there's feels like there's a thing, especially when it's politics and like your fa- like some family was in jail and stuff like that. It was just like such dictator, you know, power. Your garbage. actual family members were jailed for protesting. Is that correct? Yeah, I had a cousin. Yeah, cousins are uh, sort of like a. We, he'd, my, he's my cousin. We call him cousins. But he's like a cousin of a cousin, like my cousin's kid, basically, step cousin, whatever that would be. He, like he, third um, or second cousin was, or whatever it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 second, sure, second cousin. Yeah, and and yeah, and you know, definitely, he was like a young. He's a young guy and just was out in the streets. And the, I mean, it's, it's interesting because his dad, so Toby, so hit my cousin's husband. His dad was a big Sandinista, which was the the left wing yeah. group that was that was the government, and so he was actually fa- he founded the police in like the Sandinista police in that city Esteli. So like, you know, so his so the found the founding of the Sandinista police in that in that city two generations later is going to jail, protesting that same right. like Sandinista group. You know, so there's this irony or this power you can see. Wow, like. You know this this family that was strong two two three generations of Sandinistas strong Sandinistas is now being in jail by by protesting against that own Sandinista government. So it is interesting how often and, and you know, it's it's very it's different in every situation, but it's fascinating how a movement towards change often creates these monsters. Um, you cited mm. Fidel. Uh, you've, we've talked about Ortega. Like you mm. know, arguably that's what's going on in countries like ours and countries like the united states like there's just this deep-seated frustration i'm not by the way i mean the some of these examples 
the change was absolutely necessary because they were there were mm. whole hog dictatorships and mm. um but when the when the coups happened or when the insurrections happened it created this vacuum and somehow the same people who are calling for revolution for the people um, which again is the rhetoric we're hearing in Western countries now. Like we're doing like yeah. populism, right? But then they right. become the monsters, and they really—you learn that they are really just jealous of the power, uh, I guess, in a, in a deep-seated way. Sorry, we're not political experts. I really, I really no. appreciate your <laughs> explanation of what's what's going on in your home country because I'm not. Uh, deeply knowledgeable about that, and I'm sure some of my listeners would agree. Like it's, it's just there's so many. It's a tiny, tiny. It's a tiny place. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's it's not my home country, but I I can represent. Were you, were you it, born so there? I, 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 no, no, okay, I was born, you're born in, in in raised yeah. in Chatham, in Chatham, yeah, Ontario. Okay. Yeah, 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 but you yeah. have roots there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's from there, and my family's still there. I've been there. You know, my my whole family. We were surrounded by. My mom's family, and then, but to a larger extent, like my Nicaraguan family, they're always around and going crazy. And it's stuff, a tricky so, thing. My yeah. <laughs> my parents are from India. I was born here. India is mm. not my home country, okay. but at the same time, there we go. I at mean, the same time, it's my roots. Like I'm almost like I, I guess like it is. Did you have the? Sorry, I don't want to lose. Yeah. You said a bunch of things in that last thing, so I'm going to try to focus on those first. What I wanted to get to was your upbringing. Um, sorry, were your parents uh, immigrants? Uh, from Nicaragua, my dad, my dad, my mom's Canadian, okay. my dad's yeah. Nicaraguan. So yeah. that I, so, I just don't so, want to lose so that culture clash yeah. thing because I can relate to it. And yeah. I've talked about it with other people on this show, um, and I don't want to lose that. But I want to get into what we were talking about earlier: the definition of politics. And you were talking mm. about how the experimental music scene in Toronto was apolitical. Uh, when it comes to conventional understandings of what being political means in music or art. I do want to um, sure, yeah. ask you about that because I think there is a school of thought uh, in art in in the arts that um, the expression itself can be a political or socio cultural expression, or uh, to, to be outspoken is to express yourself with your art on some level. To that, those are statements. I do feel like when I'm at the Guelph Jazz Festival or at other unconventional music uh, gatherings, there is this sort of underlying sense that it's a political act. It is a commentary on convention and norms. The very nature of like doing something that doesn't have consistency or is, is in its inherently unsettling, that's a political act. I just want to ask you about that in your practice because to differentiate between overt political commentary... Or contextualizing music like this record as being political, when if you were to just absorb it with no uh, contextual language around it, you it would be I would I would think arguably it would be difficult to pick up on some of the themes you've been talking about. You, it would be less concrete anyway. You through doing press and through biographical information have the luxury, I suppose. Or, or rather the choice, I should say, of contextualizing it in this way and doing interviews and all that sort of thing. Anyway, sorry, I'm swimming around here. My point here is, can music, particularly in the realms you've been in in Toronto, uh, in its very nature, or art, or creativity, do you feel like that in itself is a political act? I mean, 
Yeah, no, that's a great, those are great uh, analyses and kind of observations. Definitely think that, yeah, because I'm def- absolutely aware of that because I also lived in those and, and worked in those scenes, you know, in the U.S. with Colin a lot and in in the kind of all the Northeast U.S. We toured like five, yeah. six times. Got to see amazing all the different kind of like experimental scenes and the kind of like the other side of, of kind of mainstream, the reaction against it to absolutely think that those are political. Um, and for, <laughs> there was times where I also felt like part of the machine, though. That's the thing. What's weird because like like they're like and, and, and you know, I know it's way more complicated. It's hard for me. To, it's hard to talk about this stuff. Um, that's not hard to talk about it. But I also know that any, any statements can be are can be like wrong or just ignorant, you know, so. But I just kind of speak from experience and or just like my own perspective or whatever. And it felt like there was one show we did in Baltimore where these like, yeah, we were playing and it was, you know, a free jazz show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And, you know, say mostly like white kids or whatever, not kids, but 20 something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Baltimore and Baltimore is really like, yeah, super di- divided. You know, it seems like like there's like black neighborhood, white neighborhood. But, you know, of course, there's different, you know, they, they like there's definitely white people in the, you know, like they, they definitely like hang out together and stuff like that. And obviously society, the way that money works there. But there is a big kind of sense of that. And so, yeah, this like black woman came in. She's like, this is my neighborhood. This is my neighborhood. And, you know, like, I was like, holy, like, it, right before we played, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, gentrification, like, is this gentrification? Like, are we part of this, you know? So definitely have had those kind of experiences before where we're also like, oh, we're in the, you know, anyways, where that's probably more U.S., like, as far as those distinct kind of cultural barriers, you know, where you can really see it. But it, it happens here. But I do think that the, the, the make, uh, yeah, I, I do think that. But I also think there's, there's, because music itself can also be a weapon against working class people and, and, and against, you know, it can be like, it's, it has these political kind of like, if we're depending on where they're coming from, you know what I mean? So it can be used as, 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 as sort of weapons of oppression in a way too, right? Like as far as like, oh, this is only for like rich people or only educated rich people understand this kind of music. So, you know, I definitely think about that because I also think about like the audience for a lot of experimental music. And I was like, oh, like I feel like mostly like seems like most people here, the kind of connecting kind of fabric it seems like a lot of it is like art school you know it felt like that at that time and so like you know like our, our, our university of course not everybody was but there seemed like there, so i was kind of felt like oh maybe there's this sort of class that comes to these shows like in toronto and stuff and yeah. and and so i was like maybe that you know that that is also because i started thinking about diversity you know and about like and not about just diversity for it isn't in and of itself but more about community i'm like well toronto is like you know like like Half the people from here are not from Toronto and mostly the, in the scenes that I play in, it seems like most of these kids are like, you know, like from Toronto, like whatever. They're like 
Canadian or like, you know, not like they're not immigrants or they're not, uh, you know, basically people of color, like different like races, different ethnicities. Like, you know, obviously at that time too, we were seeing a lot less women. So felt like also that too. I was like, oh, this is kind of a, even in the U.S., we go to the U.S. and it'd be like all like mostly like vast majority like white people, you know, and I'm like, oh man, like where's like the Latinos? Like where's like, where, you know, like that's, that's, I always think of the U.S. I'm like, oh, the beautiful, you know, like Latino culture, like the black culture, they're like the amazing, you know, like richness of those, those cultures and stuff. And so I felt like that. And I saw that lack. So that kind of sometimes, you know, I don't know, that's just kind of a meditation on. So I definitely felt like it's, it wasn't necessarily political because I feel like, and I just was reading, um, Sen Ra's book and I, I, we've been on tour. I've been luckily had time to read like a bunch of beautiful, amazing things. Which book is it? Uh, the, well, the space is a place. Uh, the the biography. John, yeah, the biography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it up in my room. It was recommended to me by Rob Mazurik, and I bought it based on Rob's recommendation. But I haven't. I have had it a while. Sorry, it's. I've heard it's, it's great. Beautiful. Yeah, it makes yeah. you think about a lot of things. But yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Same thing. I mean, I think maybe Colin Fisher gave it to me. I don't know. Somebody gave it to me like ten years ago. It was sitting in my shelf, and I finally read it. And it that's just, a, yeah. Was Rob was the on the show. Thing. The last time Rob was on the show, which might have been two years ago, he mentioned <laughs> it, and then I was like, okay, I'll buy it. And then I just haven't. Sorry, it's I've. I'm also, perfect, I have to read it's amazing uh, book. I, the podcast yeah. becomes like school for me and I have to read a book to I have to read books to prepare for interviews and then that pushes all my leisure reading um sorry that's just a little aside well, I hear I definitely the, appreciate that research for sure you know like or yeah. not research but people I don't know reading you know we we I think we appreciate that you know yeah. as people who get interviews for sure so yeah I appreciate the conflict within you as you're talking about the fact that you were yeah. part of a community <laughs> that supported you, but it made you also ponder that community in terms of its makeup, demographic makeup. Here's a big question that I've been wrestling with, or I think a lot of us have been. I think I think there's been an evolution in notions of elevation and appropriation. So <laughs> we have seen, here's an example, and it's kind of out of the blue. Paul Simon. Paul Simon in the 80s released two records. He made Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints. And what he did was he went to Africa and he employed musicians and singers like Ladysmith Black Mombazo. And that exposed those musicians and those cultural forms to an audience that would otherwise not know about them, I think it's probably fair to say that Ladysmith Black Mombazo had a huge following because of their experiences there. However, and I don't know if this occurred at the time, there's always been Paul Simon haters. Over time, that whole exercise on Paul Simon's part has been viewed as cultural appropriation and exploitation. I'm not... Again, this might be out of the blue for you based on what you were just saying. This is the conflict we... And I grew up a Beastie Boys fan who were there, part of hip-hop culture in New York from the get-go, but also saw that it was cool after being in a punk band and thought, that's what we should be doing. Maybe as a joke at first or whatever, we're going to have fun. But then also, arguably and I've made this argument before, on a level, on a Beatles-like level, they made music that pervaded and influenced the culture. I hear it to this, the people of my generation are now, who grew up on Beastie Boys, are in positions where they make music for advertisers or sitcoms or cartoon shows. My kids watch Teen Titans Go, and yes, 
the theme is by Mixmaster Mike, who became a Beastie Boy. But throughout the program, I hear, oh, that's Beastie Boys. Like, that's what... Anyway, sorry. This is a knot that I think you're describing as well. I was part of a community that wasn't very diverse, but was also very supportive of open-minded and diverse thoughts and was welcoming to as many people as it could be. I think that's what you were saying. I don't mean to paraphrase. Yeah, but you felt absolutely. conflicted about it, and it was problematic because the actual people involved in these cultural practices were few and far between. Anyway, I don't know if I have a question per se, but that notion of that evolution of our thoughts between what is actually um, being hip and cool and open-minded to other cultural forms and what is exploitation and what is cultural appropriation. Do you, is that kind of where you're coming from a little bit with your conflict about what are we doing? How are we doing things? No, not, not, not really, but, but it, there is like, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's one of the things of it. Like you say, you know, like, um, say jazz and free jazz like you know there, there's obviously like the european folks like the whole scene over there but like a lot of the american stuff like the stuff that's from the americas this continent like a lot of that free jazz stuff was yeah it was it, it, you know was political you know was like like in the 60s and so it's like you know coltrane like all that stuff's very very extremely political and you know obviously in 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 many different kind of coming from many different places so like and then you ask i think the like nowadays like i don't know it's like the majority of people and i don't know i mean there's I would say, I, I would say maybe a bunch, like if you go, you know, somewhere, I don't know if you necessarily think that it was like political, like political intentions behind some of the music. And that's fine because, yeah. you know, of course, and I, I, anything I'm tr- trying to say, I'm not trying to belittle people because everyone has their own experience and stuff, you know, but like, um, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily political because I mean, maybe it was the, the time of like civil rights, but obviously like ancestry and tradition of, of, you know, it's coming from a, from, from a long lineage of of, of, of history and culture and specific cultural kind of things that happen, you know, and I believe that that stuff, that stuff is in the blood, that stuff is in the music, that stuff, you know, like, so yeah, I feel like, um, I definitely wrestle with cultural, cultural preparation for sure. And like, you know, I think about it for myself and I think, am I doing this as yeah, you know, even that's what I'm hearing drums of like that's Lido, of course, like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Sh- for sure. I mean, I think, I think we should, you know, like, I think, I think, I think we should. And I mean, if I, but I mean, even any, any music, I guess that I would do, I would probably, I would hopefully be wrestling with where it came from too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know, you know but it like, becomes, like, if, if you really get mired in that, we might all just stop what we're doing is where I'm coming from too. Like, how do you properly pay respect to this long history? Be yourself. What? Just be, be yourself. yourself. That's, yeah. that's to me from that's, yeah, yeah. Like, like don't do, like, don't, don't. You know, like you can, you don't, I don't know. That's to me, that's the big thing. It's just like for as far as like not, not, not die, like not just being like, oh, what's, what's culture preparation? What's not, you know, like some people is very simple, you know, but of course, if you go back 500 years, it might not be, say there was, you know, like some sort of thing that happened between, you know, some group to another group. And then they, you know, like took over because, you know, like obviously like oppressive communities and oppressive societies have, you know, kind of always been like, so it's always been like that. So as far as like, and, and and that's, that's what we talk about with, I think for me, appropriation is like how one class or one society or one kind of group of people has had tr- traditionally had like political power over top of the other person and then just basically takes their music and, and there's no money that gives back yeah. or whatever, you know, like, and I mean, artistically that's fucked up, but also financially that's fucked up because these people are fucking chilling in there, you know, like wherever it is, like I think about stuff in Colombia it's like these master musicians can't get yeah. by you know and it's like how many people are 
I feel like that too. I feel like I shouldn't even play music because I feel like the master, most of the, like the amazing, 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 incredible, beautiful, amazing, powerful music that is speaking from the ancestry and speaking to gods and spirits. It's like, they're, they're not necessarily all famous or like making money doing music, you know, like there's a lot of people that are, but there's also lots of people that aren't, that aren't making more. So I'm just like, Oh man, like I'm out there playing shows. Like, I don't. Yeah, uh, you know? I, I hear it. I mean? like, I'm hearing so. it in everything you're saying. Self consciousness, <laughs> conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many isms yeah. at play in what you're talking about in terms of people being yeah. uh, relegated or left behind. Uh, it's very complicated. But I will say, Just, if we don't overthink about it too much, like we get into these realms because we're inspired to by these same people. Like we know where it's coming absolutely. from. We know this lesser known artist. Uh, is the reason we got into what we're doing. Um, So I think there's hope Mm. in that. And then if you can, and we've seen it numerous times, uh, an artist uh, elevates or uh, what have you, and then they begin to shout out the people that sort of helped mold them. Again, going back to the Beastie Boys thing, when I say pervasive, they would highlight rap about sample all their heroes and then if you were a digger you would go find that stuff and in a way it was Mm -hmm. educational um and i i there's very few artists on that level who would do i would argue kurt cobain for me in the 90s was just constantly wearing t-shirts by artists he loved and talking about them and making lists and making them public that's a sort of public service he was doing like check out the wipers or whoever and i was like the wipers what's that Amazing. Like, sorry, I'm just saying, I think... I, I, that's beautiful, yeah. And that, that's yeah. a responsibility, paying, paying respect yeah. to where you came from. And I think that's as just a person that you have yeah. to do that too, you know? So I agree, you know, that's a, that, I absolutely agree. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's I try to do that too, you know? We've talked a little bit about what you were trying to express on a sociocultural or political level with, um, with this record. Mm. Musically, what would you want to say about it? You talked about sort of it being meditative, and I think if I were to boil it down, you're talking about mindfulness generally, being mindful of what people go through, what civilizations go through, and the struggle, but also chilling out a little bit and also letting sound calm you down, I think, is maybe where you were coming from. Can you talk about the musical landscape of, of this work, of this particular album? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I mean, a lot of that, the, the stuff from this album, too. I mean, in general, my intentions are like that. But as far as having music that is meditative and music that, you know, feels good, I, I don't know. That's so subjective. But music that makes you, that I feel like it wants, wants to soften you up. You know, it mm-hmm. kind of like wants to soften you, kind of wants to like make you just more susceptible to energies and kind of expansions, something like that. So. But this one definitely, like, yeah, like the, the, the Mascotus record, like, you know, I made that stuff like three, two, three years ago. So technologically, I was at a certain place, even like as far as my interest in, in, in electronic music. So a lot of it was just super experimental, like super experiments. And they just came out of jams. Like these compositions came out of jams. This, this residency that I did at Aga Khan Museum, I think it was 2019, maybe 2018, actually. And where now. where is that museum? That's in Toronto, like North Toronto, okay. um, yep. like North York, I guess. Yep. And it's a, yeah, it's an amazing, beautiful museum. And so they had these pop-up events where, I'd, you know, you had to prepare like three, you'd have like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'd go and you'd play for three hours, you know, or like, sorry, you'd be there for three hours, but you'd play three sets of half an hour, so like 90 minutes. So I had to get, you know, music together for that. And I was like, all right, so I kind of spent like, you know, say the the concerts were, the pop-up things were in, were in October, and so I spent like August and September and late nights just kind of jamming. Hmm. 
coming on up your, with these on like your drones. Own? When you say jam, oh yeah, 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 on, yeah, on yeah. Your... just on, just on my own, you know. But yeah, so just just jams on my own, like just kind of experimenting with with different synths and, and Ableton. And at that time too, I was working on a, a play, so I was I was I was working on a play for my lovely friends Aluna at Aluna Theater in in Toronto. And so some of the things were explorations based on the kind of uh, on some of the inspirations that I got from that play as well. So. Um, like one of the pieces, like what the main chord progression is like from a, a, a scene that I used in the play that I think was really short. So I wanted to expand it more and use it more and expand on it. Oh, I had it more expanded and I took it down for the play and then built it up again. But yeah, the lovely folks at Aluna. So all those types of things were kind of happening at that same time. And also like one of the pieces, like I was definitely interested in like repetition and lo- elongated kind of repetition things. And so one of the pieces I, I wrote like in the mornings in Villanueva, Colombia, which is where Lido and her family live where Lido's she spent a lot of her childhood there too um and it's a small beautiful city in northeast Colombia super hot so in the mornings like six in the morning I just get up with my computer and my headphones and just kind of make stuff and so it was just like coming from that to that's what the one song is called Via Nueva the album was almost going to call, be called Via Nueva because it kind of all stemmed from this mm. this land there you know and just these yeah repetition so th- all those types of kind of concerns and there were just technological things that I was kind of like whoa cool this like I got this reverb this reverb plugin that goes like forever and it's like a let's use that you know like so i just kind of all this exploration i feel like my new stuff is a lot more like picking and choosing rather than just exploring you know like so because i said it's about three three years ago a lot of this material so that's kind of where it was coming from i see also like not a, not a lot of live drums yeah i noticed for a that. long time i had I mean, for a long time i had this yeah, there, there are but there are but they're sampled and yeah, stuff like that yeah and there's shakers and stuff like that but a lot of not a lot of my newer stuff is a lot more live drums because for a long time my masaya project was like my non-drumming project mm-hmm. like it was my flute and beats project, kind of. That's why I always thought. But nowadays, it's kind of changed. In my live shows now, I'm I'm playing actually live drums as well over top of the the tracks. So oh, wow, they're com- It's coming together. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're talking about like my composition and percussion background, and I kind of feel like that's what's happening now. Is a lot of it's coming together. Like my composition kind of ideas and my percussion playing is now finally kind of melding. I think so. It's kind of interesting. Sounds very exciting. So, I, I I can't wait to yeah. see it. You mentioned. Uh, your live show, um, and as we're speaking right now, you are due to come to Edmonton, which is where I live. That's very exciting for me. Uh, you're yeah. part of the Purple City Festival, I want to say. So you're coming for that. Um, do you have any other uh, tour plans at the moment? Not, no, not not for Masaya. Yeah. Any shows that I can, you know, I'll play, I'll play, but I, I, I can't really tour. And I'm working on my, my new record right now, so basically, oh, okay. yeah, like... I'm kind of doing that. And then with Lido, we're, we're very busy, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of shows with Lido Pimienta, like this last few months, which has been amazing. You know, it's been incredible, but we've been very, very busy. So there's, there's not really time to play. Yeah. My own shows, like even this show I'm doing, like I'm playing it and then I'm going to like Olympia, like the next day, speaking of Kirk Cobain. Yeah. Olympia, Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So Washington. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I just got to fit them in there, but there, when, when Lido this, you know, it's just when Lido's thing kind of chills out, I'll be, I'll be looking for more, for more shows or working on my record. I'm not sure what, what's going to happen, but I take shows when I, when I can, I like it a lot. I like playing shows. Okay. I would like to go on like a week tour, stuff like that. So we'll see, you know, I, yeah. Touring's hard, but I still, it's still, I still like, that's, I feel like that's my thing. You know, I like to tour, I like to play, you know? Yeah. You've got a family life there to consider as well. I'm sure there's yes. lots of considerations with uh, school is coming, September is coming, and all those sorts of things, I'm sure. Exactly, I, actually, yeah. I don't know if that's a factor for you, actually. I shouldn't say that, but uh, I'm sure it is. 
I'm it guessing is, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is. Uh, work with Lido um, beyond the touring. Are you guys working on new music together? We there's. I mean, she is also working on her new record too. So yeah, we'll okay. there will be and and Lido's going to be on my record and like you know I'm going to be doing percussion on the the new one. So yeah, definitely going to be doing some stuff. Very busy. Yeah, very busy, very busy. Yeah. It's always yeah. busy, you know. Like and and uh, especially touring a lot, especially now that shows are back, it's like full on, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to get my record done. Like Lido's doing hers kind of after I'm done mine. So that, that's kind of how we timed it. And then because uh, it's pretty, you know, you want to be like full time, you know, ish schedule you know like i feel like you want to be just kind of really devoted to the project and for like a while you know so definitely it's a good spot to be in as far as creation when you're just focusing on the material rather than okay now i'm gonna, do Michelle, now I'm gonna go cook some food and play with the baby we're gonna go to the park and then you know take a shower with the you know like just do all the kid, <laughs> the kid stuff so which is fine because i you know you, i obviously obviously do that too but i do like to have time where it's like really just like specific work on music you know and do so, you do you actually have a like in a percentage? Do you personally know how far along you are on your own record? Like, could you be like, I think it's eighty percent done, or how? Yeah, I seventy yeah, percent. You're at you. You think you're? <laughs> it's not a science. Yeah. <laughs> you you would argue you're at seventy percent. That's what I. That's what I've always told the people I'm working with on my record that I'm like these producers I'm working with, and uh, and uh, I, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm seventy percent. I think I'm about 70%. <laughs> Obviously, you figure that out when. But yeah, I know I feel pretty good about it. That's the thing. I, that's that's definitely a, a number of, uh, of of confidence. And that's all just me, like stuff that I've done by myself, you know? So yeah. I feel like, yeah, other voices are going to make it even better. Because The Mascotus was just me, literally, and then Lido on one song. Because it was it was quarantine. It was like right yeah, during yeah. that time, you know? So I was tracking it, tracking it in between naps, you know, with the baby. You know, baby's napping, I'm tracking, you know? Nighttime, yeah. baby's sleeping, I'm tracking, you know? So, yeah. It was literally, literally like that, very domestic. You got your hands full, is what I'm getting at there, and it's, uh, it's definitely quite it's beautiful. Though. Yeah, no, it's good. It's Life is good. Yeah. Uh, Life is would, good yeah. if you can for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly. I was say. Um, <laughs> if people, yeah. uh, if you want rather people to learn more about uh, you and your work uh, on the internet, uh, where would you like to direct them to learn more mm. about this record and, and your own uh, pursuits? Yeah, I have a, I mean, the band camp is always good. I have like my, all my music on there, like my first tape, another EP, and then another digital record, and then my vinyl in there. So the band camp is good. And it's, my band camp's like Masaya, Masaya, M-A-S-A-Y-A, M-A-S-A-Y-A, band camp. So, but I think if you just kind of look up Masa, like it's two words, M-A-S, new word, A-Y-A, I think it'll pop up. You'll see my okay a photo on there somewhere. And then also Instagram is Masaya, Masaya, M-A-S-A-L-L-A. M A S A Y A. I do my thing on there. I don't know. That's before I like really cared about all this stuff. So yeah. I just made. I was like, oh, it just happens twice, but it's that's way more annoying to type it. But that's just what I did back in 2015 or whatever. But you're active on <laughs> so. that thing. You you put. I do. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Bandcamp. Yeah, I put stuff on there. There's a remix on there I did for Colin Fisher that you know is nowhere else. And okay. So there's stuff on there, but yeah, Bandcamp's the great, the best for me. But I'm also yes. My recent album is all streaming on all the services too. So and it's out on. Tele- and they're still, they're still vinyl. Yeah, amazing telephone explosion records. Yeah, there's still there's some records left. Yeah, too. So there's definitely vinyl. If if folks want it out there, it's on some distribution stuff. I have a handful left. I'll. Uh, um, I always. So people might think this yeah, is a cliche, but I will. Uh, actually, I often say I ordered it. I'm waiting for it. But in your case, I will order it. I haven't done that yet, and I just this is me on the record saying that I'm going to get your record 
physically. I've been right. listening to it digitally, and uh, it's wonderful. So I encourage people. It's nice. The, the, the artwork is very special by Orlea Nen. Yeah. The artwork, I, I feel like, is, yeah, so as far as having a piece, it's like a piece of art, you know, like there's different, there's specific pieces that she made for for the record and with the music in mind and also certain types of uh yeah just like the, the art it's it's art for sure so it's it's beautiful or yeah. and amazing so it's definitely nice but i appreciate that for yeah. sure like, I definitely <laughs> no it's my pleasure appreciate buying it if we and, can go out on a song from um this record can you choose one for us and explain why it came to mind i feel like the quiescence song the last song um quiescence yep yeah quiescence I don't even know how to say it right, but um, it's I don't know. I, it's always been my one of my favorites, but I do like a lot of the records, so I'm I'm happy about that. That I can be like, oh no, I like this song. No, I like this song. <laughs> but let's do that one because that's the, what the first came to mind. It's the last song. I've, it's always been one of my favorites. It's one of my first like kind of like these. I don't know this kind of like beauty. It's very much now. I know it's it's kind of this kind of post Alice Coltrane. That's kind of what I'm coming from. This kind of like gorgeous kind of like floaty kind of vibe. This kind of it has this pulsating kind of like rhythm this drone that's going on i just like the i like the the texture of it and that's kind of where i'm going in my newer stuff it's in that kind of direction mm-hmm. more but a lot more analog um a lot more just like real real instruments rather than sort of synths and stuff so yeah it's uh i yeah, like, I like it. that the last song on your most recent record is what is your guide to your next recording does that make sense it's almost like a path it, it, like it's, it's kind of yeah it, it 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 does make sense it does make sense but then i go back yeah. to kind of my old what my the mess i sound for me which is like just basic pure drums and then like flutes and that's it just like two things like drums flutes yeah that's like i think that's like my like something that i which not <laughs> not my sound but i have certain types of rhythms that i do in that sound world that i'm like oh this is really something that i've been doing you know um which I, I, for me it's kind of like this like dance hall cumbia thing with flutes that's so you know to 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 betray my sources you know to to really obviously you know what you can tell it let's just let's let people hear it and they can kind of figure these things absolutely what do you think definitely yeah (laughs) please please (laughs) okay new music by masaya brandon it's always a pleasure to speak with you i hope you enjoyed this chat and i hope we speak again and best luck with in the future i definitely did thank you it's a pleasure to share this these these talks with you for sure so this conversation so thanks and thanks for having me on here for sure thanks Vish Thank you.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Oh, thanks so much to Brandon Valdivia a.k.a. Masaya, for appearing on this, the 710th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it, you don't know where it is, you looked under the couch, you looked under the phone, you looked in the computer, where the heck is it? Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, everything you need to find is pretty much at vishkana.com. In life, not just about me, just... Everything you would want in life, vishkana.com. Also, you can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. You can also visit uh, patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. That is the primary uh, source of revenue for all of the work I do on this show. And uh, these days there are some perks, $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content both derived from fresh interviews some of it is uh, derived from my archives you also get uh, to hear the uh, newest episode of the show first so the the new episodes go up uh, in the on the patreon there at the six dollar or more level and also oh uh, there's still a few creative control t-shirts so if you if you'd like one just message me on patreon and i'll get you one while supplies last also, been asking people for uh, testimonials on the Patreon. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know, top of the show, there's usually a voice uh, from one of the listeners who wants to say who they are, where they're from, uh, why they like the show, why they support the show, and then they send me those are all they send me those recordings. I, I, I gussy them up in the editing stuff, and then I put them up at the front, and I could use more of those. So. Uh, if you support the show on Patreon, feel free to send a testimonial. And I, I posted something on the Patreon page about this. Anyway, six dollars or more is great. Anything less is fine. You can even you can change whatever you make it. If it's if you want to increase it or decrease it, whatever. Patreon.com/slash/creativecontrol. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Also, want to thank Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf in Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. As always, thanks to my dear friend uh, in Toronto, Jim Guthrie, uh, for lending me some music. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Masaya, Brandon, uh, Valdivia. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about it. 
and listen to Masaya and all sorts of things like that. That's all I got. I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being you. Be well. Be good. Bye for now. <laughs>